Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Phil Donaldson continues our series of messages on the Gospel according to Mark, today looking at chapter 4, verses 1 through 34. And now, here's Phil. Let's turn and hold your Bibles open, if you could, to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. It's a lengthy passage, and we will read as much of it as we can as we go, uh, but please uh, just follow along either on the screen or with your Bibles open. We're continuing in the series entitled by Jesus himself when he said in Mark chapter 10, verses 41 through 45, Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This morning we come to Jesus telling the people around him to uh, all who were there to mark, pardon the pun, his words. When someone first assigned this to me, my initial thought was this is going to be one of the easier uh, talks that I would have to prepare. I have heard many sermons on this passage and the uh, like ones in the other Gospels and have spoken on several of them as well. But that was not to be. I discovered as I read this, these first few verses that Jesus spoke to my mind and heart and said, listen. Listen in ways perhaps you have never listened before. They jumped out of me and slowed me down to listen more carefully to the uh, four parables that uh, stitched together and they're before us this morning. I'd like us to just think of, uh, for all of us, to just set aside our familiarity with these passages and look afresh at what Jesus is saying in them uh, to us all about himself and uh, our acceptance of him and living for him. Let's read aloud for that purpose uh, the first three verses together. Verses 1 through 3. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen. You can see the boat, typically, that Jesus may have been in that that day day as he spoke, along the Sea of Galilee at its northwestern shore. I just want to begin with a reminder of the upper story themes that are before us this morning. Just very briefly, of course, God himself and the person of his eternal son, Jesus, is there Uh, speaking to uh, his audience. And that audience consisted of, uh, as we read earlier in in the book of Mark, the crowds, I would call them all, the other group, the locals. And then, please don't forget, uh, the the gathered Jerusalem representatives that were sent to follow Jesus, to watch for him and see what he was up to in the northern part of uh, Israel of the day. And, of course, also there were the disciples in that group, as, as we well know. I'd like us just to look at the, a, a few verses from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 49 and verse 5. And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and to gather Israel for himself, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord of my God, who has been my strength. He says, is, is it too small a thing for you to be my servant? 
to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. This is what the Lord says, the Redeemer and the Holy One of Israel, to him who is despised and abhorred by the nation, to the servant of rulers. Kings will see you and rise up. Princes will see and bow down because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. Also, there's a reading from verse uh, Isaiah uh, chapter 50, uh, pardon me, Isaiah chapter 9 that we won't take time to read for the sake of time, but similar message that uh, from prophecy, the Jesus who was in that boat was not just a man. He was the eternal Son of God who came to fulfill the purposes of God in the things that he was uh, saying that day. Uh, so the uh, just think about sitting on that shore, shoreline on the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee and listen to him, the Lord himself, as he speaks to our minds and hearts this morning. Before us uh, this morning, there are four parables. And Jesus is teaching uh, in the form of parables in these, uh, in these four examples, a method that he uh, used a lot in his various ways of teaching, along with other things like asking questions and along with uh, didactic passages, teaching passages, and so on. Here he speaks in parables. We've seen this slide before. A parable is a short story or a comparison to elicit an intended response by the speaker Jesus uh, to the hearers. So that's the frame of mind we want to uh, take as we look at these four stories. Uh, what is the story itself saying? What did it mean to the people who are gathered around him there? And what was the intended response by Jesus as he taught uh, from, from that boat? That day. So a parable is something that is based on known situations to the hearers, and we focus on that and I'll enlarge on it in a few moments. And these stories had an upper story meaning. God had, had, God had purposes uh, that are, get lost if we just get buried in what does this word mean? What does this, what does that word mean? Remember what the story that's before us is Jesus teaching from the boat to an audience. And that is the context to help us to, that helps us understand what Jesus was teaching. Uh, Jesus' teaching methodology here is, uh, we've already said it, but it's an interesting thing to think about as we read through the Gospels, is what was Jesus' methodologies that he used in teaching? We've got some professional teachers in the room, and uh, I hope this uh, measures up to what they would say. But the first part, there's some ease here. There's the expression uh, that was given the Son of Man as himself. He's wanting to identify himself to those around who he is. And I, I, I am uh, the eternal Son of God. I am the Messiah who was sent. We read about it. The anointed one of God to come to earth with the salvation purpose. The second was, we saw it already, engagement. Jesus wanted us, as we listened to him, to be engaged in it and not thinking about the snow you have to shovel when you go home or the food you have to prepare or why is that preacher taking so long? Uh, but not to be distracted by these things, but listen to the Lord himself. He elaborates on, on this, which is the third part of his methodology, where he elaborates on the parable to a certain group of people. And we'll look at that in a few moments. And then we've talked about his expectation and what he was saying to the people so that they would uh, get what he was uh, saying. 
Just before we read the first parable, I talked about trying to shut aside our concept of what we have heard about those passages before. All too many times we have a picture in our mind of the story he's telling, and that's what we use to uh, to understand it. I just have a couple of slides here. Uh, one is, uh, I don't think any farmers in the group, uh, I'm not sure if David is still listening, or Jim at the back, or others who have familiarity with, with farming, I don't think any of them grew up in the age where this kind of sowing of seeds practice that's currently out west uh, with a thousand some horsepower uh, bin and seed bin and feeder system and the uh, drill holes all made to GPS uh, certified locations and so on. Uh, I don't think anyone will be thinking about this. Maybe now that I showed you, you might. Uh, But then we come on the next slide to Jim's farm. I just happen to have a picture of it here handy. And he had his 12 horsepower tractor and uh, he had a little seed bin and uh, the seed bin went around and just dropped the seed on the ground or maybe it was later technology and uh, drilled them into the ground. And that's what uh, what I'm sure he's going to forget right now that that's what Jesus is talking about. So let's seriously turn to peril, uh, the first peril, uh, a parable before us, the farmer uh, sows the seed. Uh, just on the right-hand side of the screen, uh, you may see this picture showing up. When Steve uh, uh, and Linda and Peg and I were in, we went to a, when we were in Israel, we visited a, a site that was made, uh, made for tourists, I guess, in, in Nazareth. Uh, and this was the picture of, the, of one of the fellows there that was in showing us what life was like in the early stage, uh, in, in, or at the time of Jesus, and you can see his tractor with, uh, with his seed bag uh, that he used to hand throw the seed uh, into, into, the, uh, into the local garden. Let's, uh, I'll just read uh, this parable uh, for us. Listen, a farmer went out to sow, again, hear the word listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. The birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, produced a crop, crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. And then Jesus repeats to all of us, Listen, he who has hears to hear, let him hear. So in, the, in this next slide, uh, the, in the parable, it just summarizes the parable, parable with some structure to it. Jesus telling his story on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, he's looking for an impact on his audience. And he describes the nature of the soil. And these pictures, again, uh, from that Nazareth city, you can see these two pictures that represent the, the pathway that would get, receive some of the seed, the stony ground that wouldn't do much for, for growing, the thorny ground has another description, and then the good soil, of course, which is what we want to focus on uh, today, and the, farm, the other farmer in the group uh, in the middle of his fruit bearing. Um, and uh, that's a, a quick summary of the story, and we know it well. So then, how did the people react? He, after this, the, the parable was told, he went to, to be alone with the twelve and the others around him 
who asked about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. So that, and listen to this carefully, they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Now, that's the difficult verse in our, one of the difficult verses for us to, to have a look at. It seems so strange that the one who came to uh, welcome everyone and all into the kingdom of the Lord, kingdom of God, here he finds uh, some strange, we find some strange words at first blush that said uh, they, they, they're going to be a division in the, in the people and one, uh, one group are not going to listen and, uh, and, uh, they, and we will continue with these parables so that they don't hear and understand. Uh, just to enlarge on the answer to this, I, I'll read this carefully so I don't get off track. In the realm of paganism at the time, the word mystery referred to a secret teaching, rite, or ceremony known or practiced by a small group of initiates or elites. In both the Testaments, it is to be understood somewhat differently that that, that, what, that, that which would have remained unknown had God not revealed it to them. In other words, that the word secret or mystery in the Old Testament and New Testament like often uh, means that it is something that was from God and revealed by him without which that without without that revelation we would not understand these things but his God's intention is that these things would be made known not like the secret rites of the pagan uh, pagan gods and so on the second thing that helps us understand this difficult passage is to look at the previous context of Jesus' teaching. We heard last week about a, the group, primarily from Jerusalem, d- accusing the work that God, that God and, and Jesus were doing as from Beelzebub, the devil. And uh, clearly Jesus had read their hearts as having already rejected him and that is the context of this particular verse. There is a group that's in that audience there at the time that had already made up their minds about Jesus. He was not who he claimed to be. He was from the devil, Satan himself. And so when we read the story of the parable, we come into this uh, uh, verse that talks about Satan taking the seed. And uh, we'll look at that in a moment. Uh, so they have heard and are not perceiving. They have rejected him. And as a result, they will not hear or understand to turn to me for forgiveness. So let's read the, uh, the explanation by Jesus from verse 13 on. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? <laughs> we don't. How then will you understand any parable? So what he's doing here is important uh, from a teacher's point of view. He's what he does here is of use to other places in understanding his future parables. So let's just keep that in mind as I go through, through some of this. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. 
But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even a 100 times what was sown. So in the next slide, we can just see the, uh, the categorization and back to our model of, of understanding. Uh, Jesus telling the story, explaining it to them. And he talks about the nature of the hearing of the different groups that are in front of him. I've used the word D for keeping track of myself. Uh, the first group we know well were the decided, the ones who'd already made up their minds against Jesus. There was the depthless and the distracted, a general comment to all of the, the people in his audience who might have an initial interest and in, uh, in, uh, uh, hopefulness in going to the Lord, but uh, very soon uh, that disappears. So they didn't have what the deeply rooted people have who accept the word of God, uh, live for him and bear fruit as a result of their relationship with him. So on the next slide, it's really a repeat in a way, but on the uh, uh, we have the verses that I've mapped across to uh, Jesus speaking to some and others and others and others. Some are decided, some are depthless, distracted, and others are deep-rooted. And Jesus was expecting a result from them as a result of his story. He recognized that the first group would be dead to God and kind of puts them to the side, as we saw earlier. And then for the others who are depthless, they fall away from God, his invitation it's still open to all, but you can see that he's getting at their hearts, read their hearts, and know that they are maybe those kind of people, or are those kind of people. Then there's the distracted who are unfruitful, and this all in context of fruit bearing is what, what the Lord wanted in each of our lives. So I, I'm going to just extend that before we read the other parables and look at the next slide. So you can see uh, one of the things that re- I really appreciated as I studied this was the sequence of the four parables and how they are related to each other. Same audience, of course, but he threads them together with a growth in what he's trying to teach the people along the way uh, as he goes. And uh, that seems a little complex on my slide, but here we have the four parables listed. We have his audience, as we have seen. We have the type of parable it is, two stories and two comparisons. And then the immediate context, as we've talked about, Jesus called Beelzebub, and the last three are devoted to his teaching on the kingdom of God and what it is like uh, for those who follow him. Uh, the initiator uh, in the parable, G- Jesus gives us the interpretation that the farmer is Jesus who sows the seed uh, with a key action of spreading his word with a desired result from him of fruit bearing. In the second uh, parable we're going to see, we the light Jesus is in the next, uh, next one, and the key action is that he wants from his people, uh, to, he lights the lamp in their hearts, he wants in his people to shine his light and share what, he know, what they know and live for him by giving it and showing it to others. In the next third parable, we see the, the initiator are the disciples. Uh, this is the only one, that, by the way, that's mentioned in the book of Mark. Uh, others have different uh, sequences for different purposes of the writer. But the key action here is the seed grows, it ripens, and there is a resultant harvest. So that's kind of the end of the first parable being interpreted in more detail. Uh, and then we come to the fourth one. The sower is Jesus. He speaks about the mustard seed, 
which becomes the largest from the smallest of the seed that was usually planted in their area, and that provided lodging and protection. So with, with that overview of the structure of the parables and how they fit together, we can go to the last three uh, parables and uh, have a brief look at them. Uh, in the lamp on the stand, which is the second parable, do you bring in a lamp, verse 21, to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. And we were talking about that earlier. God came to teach the kingdom of God in the hearts of people. That was his purpose. And he wants to tell all about why he came and what that was all about. And then again, he says these uh, these words, if anyone has ears, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear. Mark my words well, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have even will be taken from him. I just want to pause and give one, one ex- an example of one preacher that I used to listen to. Many of you, uh, you probably all know him, Billy Graham. When I was a young boy, I would drive with my dad down to various assemblies. And, and between six and seven, Billy Graham would be on the radio. And he would, of course, begin with Beverly Shea singing that song that we sang this morning, The Love of God, and hymns like that. And then Billy Graham would preach. And uh, at that time, we know the future of Billy Graham, how his ministry grew and the fruit bearing continued and grew. But we also know at the same time, there were many who were in that mold of preaching the gospel around the place and how so many of them fell away from, from their work. And what uh, Jesus says here is of real importance. Whosoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. So in this next slide, we look at this basic structure again. He talks about this 30, 60, and 100-fold, and in this parable, he's explaining it to the people. I want to use the word principle here. I know it's not in the text, but it's an important thing. When I, when I was in university, uh, we studied the principles of various areas of the physical world. So we would study the principles of thermodynamics, how heat, when it moves, uh, behaves in these certain ways. And take any subject you want, but you had to learn the fundamentals, the, the activities that go on and how they relate to each other. When we talk about the word principle here, I'm using the word, how, what can you expect from God? What is God's way of working with men and women? And what are the principles by which he tells us, not that we have to try and study to come up with them, but in most times they are given to us. Uh, an example from the Old Testament, Who he see, whoever seeks me with all his heart shall be found by me. So we can expect that from God as an abiding principle. has to be interpreted in a particular situation because it's complex at times. But that's what I mean by the word principle. And here he gives us the principle of sharing as given. With the measure one has and shares with others, the Lord will give over and above. Whoever does not have even what he thinks he has will be taken from him. So this is in the context of light. Each of us in God's presence this morning 
has been shone the light of the gospel of Christ into our hearts and minds. And we, assuming we're in the category of those who are seeking him and found by him and we are truly his, we, our responsibility is to heed that light that has been placed in our mind and heart and keep, keep that there and grow it in our minds and hearts. Uh, and he promises to do his part as well and see that in a moment. So never, we never want to be whoever does not have a clear grasp and a solid grasp of that founda- the foundations of his light shining in our minds and hearts, then whatever he thinks he has will be taken uh, from him. And we all know of situations like that to their peril and to our, uh, to our uh, discouragement at times. Next slide, uh, Ted. Yes, the growing seed. So the next one, the next parable, uh, parable three says, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And this is a couple of on the kingdom of God. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel, and then the harvest time. Now, here comes the second principle for the sake of time we have to Move fairly quickly. Next slide, Ted, please. So we have the principle of sharing as given, and we noted that we it was focused on our part. In the second principle, we, we see that the principle can be stated is that the Lord gives the increase, and that focuses on God's part. So looking at these two things together, we have this. What Apostle Paul said it perhaps the best. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So as Christians, we share the light, but we have this uh, rest that we have our, our side to do, but we can rest in the fact that God is working. And also, we can rest in the fact that others are playing a part with this particular individual we're working with or whatever. There's no, not very many single God-to-us stories when we listen to people's testimonies and, and, and life stories. What we all, almost always see is God, something happening, a, sow, a seed is sown, that seed grows, and others help it along to grow, and we have more and more from the Lord. And that results in uh, harvests that are, are, are very significant and large. Just returning to Billy Graham, I was, because I was thinking about him as an example to use here. And not all of us are going to become Billy Grahams. But the principle, when we see it in his life, where he was faithful to the light that he was given, sharing the gospel to the world, he spoke to millions and mil- hundreds of millions of people in his faithful service to the Lord. Didn't get distracted. Didn't get wrapped up in politics. Although he's talked to political leaders all the time about the gospel. And, and he was one of the ones who gave so much about the kingdom so that people would understand who God is and what he does as he fulfills his part. The last one is the mustard seed. Uh, I think we'll just not read it. I think we're all familiar with that story. Uh, except to pick out a few things. The kingdom is like a mustard seed, one of the smaller seeds, and 
uh, and I, I add the words because it's there in Scripture, uh, of, that, uh, of that time. There might be smaller seeds than that, but that's what he was, he was speaking to their context. It, it becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. I just want to pause there for a minute and remember that there is a context here to understand this parable. He, he is talking to a group who are in the devil's camp, in Satan's camp. When he tells the first parable, he talks about, he talks about the seeds being picked up off the pathway by Satan himself. And so we don't want to stretch these things too far, but it's very germane to those people who were there seeing that, uh, uh, the, the birds of the air could be seen, and I'm not forcing this interpretation on anyone, but they could be good birds, they could be bad birds, and, uh, and there's reason to believe that he was after them as he spoke these words, but I'll leave that to other students. You can see in the slide the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, size of the seeds on someone's palm as well, and then the, the uh, mustard plants that would have grown in, into something very large. And that brings us to the, to the third and last principle I want to highlight here. Next slide. So we have the third principle uh, of God's kingdom growing from small to great. And that, again, is God's part. Your kingdom from the Psalms is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all the generations. The Lord is faithful to all his promises and love towards he has made. So what is God's kingdom? God's kingdom is what he brought to bring to the minds and hearts of people. But the, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, has a much, much bigger story in Scripture that leads into uh, the growing and growing and growing of the kingdom and its influence in the world and ultimately in things that are talked about in the end times. We don't have time to pursue those, but it's, we're in the age where his kingdom is here, but it's not fully here yet. And there is a time when it's going to be fully in, in, in the control of God in a, in a future age and period. And we saw that a bit in this morning's uh, communion period. So the principle of God's kingdom, he is going to grow his kingdom. The devil will not prevail against the, his church on the earth. We know those words well. And, he know, and we know that he is the one who is pursuing his kingdom in all of our hearts and minds uh, as he wants to see us. Uh, grow, uh, pardon me, spread his word, spread the gospel of Christ and the nature of Christ to others as we live as exemplars of who Jesus is in our hearts and lives. So he came for that purpose, to speak his word into the minds and hearts of the people so that they would continue to grow in their own Christian lives before him and through ministries to others that, that kingdom would grow, that name, that gospel of Christ would spread so that uh, many, many more will become his and become a part of his eternal kingdom. Dear God, our Father, we just humble ourselves before you and before your word. We are so thankful for you and your word. Without the revelation that we have from you, we would have uh, very little understanding of who you are, uh, what your character is, what your your uh, will is, what your purposes are. But we're so thankful that these secrets and mysteries uh, have been uh, been your intention all along to bring to your people who seek you and, be, and are found by you. 
So we just thank you for your the parables that we have considered this morning. We pray that we would just see how they fit together as he was as Jesus was addressing those groups of people that day, and also uh, uh, apply them to the principles that. Jesus was teaching to them, to ourselves, in our minds and in our hearts, to serve you with all of our energy, with, with, with all the commitment and vows of our lives to serve you well and to not be distracted by uh, either the arrows of the devil and Satan's attempts to influence or the things that could distract us and make our hearts heart and we, that make us forget you. But at each step of our lives, every day of our lives, we commit to you afresh to be yours and to be seen as being yours in the light that we try to bring to others in their lives. We just commit ourselves to you afresh then. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you're in the Timmins area or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.